Uh, I want to make a brief statement about last week's message. Um, Last week's message is not yet online. We've had some technical difficulties this week with our um, website. Um, So we're hoping to get that message up. If you missed it, tune in sometime either later today or tomorrow to be able to listen to it. But it was titled, I Believe in Miracles. I had three verses that I wanted to share in connection to that message and um, then jump into today's message, okay? So it's a little tag or a little add-on to last week's message. In Acts chapter 4, that's where we were uh, last week, and it says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John in verse 13, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men. Somebody say amen. More of you say amen. You can even say amen at home. Common, uneducated men that gives you hope. Amen. It gives me hope. It says they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. The thought occurred to me that I wonder who in my life can recognize that I've been with Jesus. And if they can't, it's not on them. It's on me. But these signs and miracles that happened in the book of Acts and still today uh, can be performed even by those who are uneducated, common people, as long as they've been with Jesus. And that's good news for you and I. Also, I do have a small correction. Last week, I said we were unsure of the age of the man who was healed. And in chapter 4, verse 22, it actually says his age. So... For the man, verse 22, for the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. You know what that tells me? God doesn't count after 40. This is awesome. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, I just wanted to add those two things. I think it's important to correct and make sure that we've got the right information. But I thought that that was really helpful uh, and would have been helpful last week to just have that idea that they were uneducated common men but that they had been with Jesus. The title of today's message is a little different than last week. Uh, We're still in our series called Acts, The Gospel Goes Viral. And this message today is a message that we need to hear. The Church of America, not just our church, not just our small town, but every church, Christian church in America, needs to hear this message. And the title of the message is Worthy to suffer. Now that doesn't sound like an exciting message. It doesn't sound like, woo, what encouragement I'm going to receive today. But we're in the book of Acts and we're going through and we're looking at the pieces uh, that really caused the gospel to go viral. And this is one of those, not symptoms, but a side effect of the gospel going viral, suffering. Suffering is a side effect And so we always say around here that context deepens our understanding of the content. It helps us understand what's going on. So when we look at the Bible, we read it, we study it, we want to understand it in the original context, and we want to try to apply it to our daily lives. This message is definitely unique because it's it's on a very misunderstood topic. If you're here with us today, how many of you would say you believe that you've suffered at some point in your life? 
Not, it doesn't have to be religious persecution. It can be in a relationship. It can be financial. It can be health. It can be a lot of different things. But we all believe that we have experienced suffering. As the gospel went viral, the suffering of those who were the carriers of the gospel increased. This is something that chances are in the American church, we have not yet experienced, at least here on the local level, although it is definitely pervasive in our nation, it is Christian persecution. The, the stats are staggering of how many millions of believers around the world are harassed, are betrayed, are maligned, are gossiped about, are beaten, are jailed, are executed, all because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And so we don't experience that here yet in its fullness in America, but we are not exempt from it. In the word of God that we'll read today, it says that they endured these things all because they shared the good news. In the passage that we're going to read, it's going to be in Acts chapter 5. It says that they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus Christ. So my question is this. We really have to make sure that we define terms. The first is this. What is suffering? Suffering, it'll be on your screen in just a second, is anything experienced over a prolonged period that causes pain. You say, well, pastor, why do you have to give us a definition of suffering? I think we all pretty much understand that. The problem is we don't. The problem is we actually think about suffering in other terms. But suffering is not having to wait seven minutes instead of five minutes in a drive through line. That's not suffering. You may be impatient and you may have a problem with that. It's not even getting bitten by 30 or 50 mosquitoes on a summer night in Mississippi. That's not suffering like we're talking about suffering. So we really need to separate those parts and make sure that we understand what we're talking about. Because it's anything experienced over a prolonged period that causes pain. You can endure mental or emotional suffering. You can experience physical suffering, financial suffering, relational suffering, religious suffering, like we mentioned, persecution. It's been said that nothing in the world is certain except for death and taxes. But I would add the word suffering to that. None of us are immune to suffering. No Christian is exempt from suffering. So this is a message that we need to hear, but might not be, might not bring us joy to hear, but it's something that is part of what we consider the full gospel or the comprehensive message of God's word. The truth is in this life, we will have trouble, but we have hope unlike any other group of people in the world because the Bible tells us we can have hope because Jesus Christ has overcome all things, even death itself. So having the right perspective when we are experiencing suffering is really important. Making sure that we understand that suffering is temporary. It's not eternal. It, well, it doesn't have to be eternal. We want it to be temporary. 
So we, we need to understand a little bit more about suffering. And I'm going to walk you through some passages and examples in Scripture that talk about suffering to help us really get our mind in the right place. But the reality is, is no person, no human, no Christian is exempt from suffering. The problem of suffering has been with us since Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve chose to sin, pain and suffering arrived in this world as a consequence of the fall. But the good news is this, according to Revelation chapter 21, on the other end of the Bible, the word of God says that Jesus is going to provide us with a place to live in eternity, that there will be no pain no suffering, and no death. This is good news. Amen? So go with me to Acts chapter 5 if you're not already there. I want to give you a little bit of context just to know what we're reading. Chapter 5 opens with the account of a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. We'll talk about them next week. But just because I say that, don't skip out on church. (laughs) Verse 12 then tells us that many signs and wonders were being regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. The religious leaders were filled with jealousy, the Bible says, and so they arrested the apostles. But listen and check this out. An angel of the Lord broke them out of jail. This is pretty awesome stuff. An angel from heaven jail broke them that night. So let's listen to what happens starting in verse 27 when they get brought again before the council after their jailbreak. It says this in verse 27, And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them. Can you imagine how mad he was and those leaders were? They had put them in jail the day before, and now they were out of jail and found in the temple doing the same thing that they were told not to do, which is preaching the message of the gospel and love, the love of God, the salvation of Jesus, all of those things. And it says, the high priest questioned them, verse 28, and he said, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name, Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Verse 29, it says, But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. Kids, listen up. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So I thought through this passage, that passage we just read, and when it says that it, we must obey God rather than men, that's been misused and used by misguided people throughout history. But here's the statement that I want to make to you. When the, when the laws of man are in opposition to the will of God that's expressed in Scripture, we have a mandate to disobey them. I want you to think about this for just a moment. 
The opposite is also true. If those laws of man are not in opposition to the will of God, then we have a mandate to obey them. There is lawlessness happening in our nation currently right now. There's anger and there's violence. There's things going on all around the world. But we need to understand that here when Peter and the apostles answered before the council, they were saying something very strongly worded that still applies today. We must obey God rather than men. So we need to make sure that we understand the will of God that's expressed in scripture and the principles that we find there are the things that we are to obey. Verse 33, jump there with me. When they heard this, they were enraged and they wanted to kill him, kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was held in honor by all the people, stood up and he gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, talking about the council, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men for before these days, the Eudeus rose up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or if this undertaking is of man, it will fall. It will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God himself. The understanding that Gamaliel had, he was a leader, a pharisaical leader in those days and in that time. And what he was saying to them is these two guys have drawn people away before and all of their plans failed because they were of men, not of God. But if it is against God, you will be in trouble. So they took his advice. This is, this is great. And when they had called in the apostles, you think everything's wonderful at this point, right? So they're just going to give him a kiss and a wave goodbye. It says they took his, his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them again. And they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, but they let them go. Verse 41, then they left the presence of the council rejoicing. Everybody say that word with me. Rejoicing rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. They continued to disobey the law of man and they continued to obey what they understood God's word was for them that they should go and share this news with others. 
There are three men mentioned in this passage, and I just want to touch on each of them so you understand a little bit about them. Gamaliel was the leader and a teacher of the law. It says he was held in high esteem by those who were in the council and really in the known Jewish world. The Apostle Paul would later name drop this name in order to say that he was educated at the feet of Gamaliel so that they would understand his credibility because he was so well known. I started to think what an amazing story to maybe someday hear about Gamaliel and how God divinely, sovereignly used him in that first pivotal moment with these apostles and then how he was the person who led and taught Paul, some of the scripture and the understanding that Paul did understand or came to understand as a Jew before he understood and met Jesus. So Gamaliel is really important. The other two that are mentioned are strange names, Theudas and Judas. (laughs) Um, Judas the Galilean. This is not Judas the Iscariot. Judas the Iscariot is the one who betrayed Jesus, was a disciple of Jesus. This Judas and this other man were false prophets. The reason why they're mentioned by Gamaliel in this moment is because they, according to history, tried to show themselves to be messiahs. And they brought people out to the wilderness and one of them said, I'm going to, you know, cause the water to divide. I'm a prophet and you should follow me. But it says that all of their attempts, their uprisings were suppressed and their followers were eliminated. They were scattered. So Gamaliel says something really important. If this undertaking is of man alone, it will fail. But if it's of God, you will not be able to stop it. I don't know if that gives you some confidence right now, but it gives me a lot of confidence. We set plans in place and we do things that we think are right and we set a future in front of ourselves, but God is sovereign and able to change and do anything he chooses. And when we submit ourselves to him, we are under his protection so that truly Many things will rise against those who are believers, but all of them will fail in comparison to accomplishing the will of God. This is encouraging news to you and to I. We need to remember it in the moments of suffering. Verse 41 and 42 say this, Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. It has an interesting take on verse 42 when it says this, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Now, I always loved telling this to students in a Bible classroom that Christ is not Jesus's last name, okay? Because that is something that we somehow think of, like my name has a first name and I almost went to the Oscar Mayer, but um, my name has a first name and I have a last name as well. (laughs) Jesus's last name is not evident in scripture. Christ is actually the Greek word, the equivalent of Messiah. It means savior, anointed one. 
So it says that the Christ is Jesus, that the Messiah, the one we've been looking for, is Jesus, this man from Nazareth who came to save us from our sins. So they kept on teaching and preaching. So here the disciples consider themselves worthy to suffer dishonor, it says, for the name of Jesus. They counted their suffering as proof that they were headed down the right path. But I want you to stop and think for just a moment. If you evaluate your own life, chances are there were moments of struggle and moments of suffering that you looked at and said, nope, it's not worth it. I'm done with this. It's over. But these men had such confidence, and women with them had such confidence to know that they were headed in the right path, and that's why the obstacle was there. We tend to think, at least here in America, that our path should be obstacle-free. We tend to grieve deeply when our path involves obstacles. This suffering that we've been talking about that they experience falls into a category I've already told you that I call religious persecution. I really do think, and my, my dad as a pastor preached messages that were similar to this one. Pastors before him and individuals in history since the founding of our nation have talked about the threat of religious liberties. I really truly do believe that they are increasing even here in our nation. So we must be ready and we must have the right attitude when that sort of suffering comes. But suffering is a guarantee for all of us and it remains a mystery. Because some things I suffer, I don't understand why I suffer them. That's the hardest part about this, because if suffering is a guarantee, if death is a guarantee, if taxes, as long as we're here on earth, are a guarantee, if those things are a guarantee, death is not a mystery as much to us. Taxes, we understand. Suffering, though, is completely mysterious to us. And for some reason, we've bought into this lie that when you sign up to serve God, that you no longer suffer. And this is not true. I want to share with you a few things that you should know about suffering that may help your perspective today. According to scripture, suffering can have many causes. Suffering, the first cause that I want to mention is this. Suffering can come as a result of disobedience. This is important. You ought to take notes about this. In the Old Testament, people suffered when they disobeyed God. We have some children in the room today. Have you ever suffered as a result of your disobedience? We have some adults in the room who remember what it was like to be a child. Did you ever suffer as a result of your disobedience? Sure, the keys got taken away. The friends got taken away. You got grounded. You had to write sentences in a classroom. You this, you, you got a spanking. You this, you that. There was suffering because of your disobedience. In the Old Testament, when they disobeyed God, the results were physical plagues, loss of relationship with God, and even sometimes death. I know I say this jokingly, but it's factual. I have said this to my own children. Don't say I'm a bad parent. 
And that is that complainers actually got killed in the Old Testament. They complained against God and then ungrateful little suckers. And God opened up the earth to swallow them. So be careful. Don't complain so much. Say it with a smile. It takes the sting out. The next is this. Suffering can come as a result of our own choices. I'm so stupid, I've brought suffering on myself. Think about this. David and Bathsheba in 2 Samuel chapter 11. The word of God is clear. David not only made an error, he committed a grievous sin. Not only against Bathsheba and her existing husband, but against God himself. The pregnancy that resulted, the Bible tells us, that that child died and David and Bathsheba suffered. It says that David grieved, that he even fasted while the baby was still alive, hoping that the sickness would go away and that the child would live. And it says that they suffered as a result of their own choice. This is a hard truth for us to understand, but repentance doesn't exonerate you from the consequences of your sins. Sometimes we still have to experience. Yes, God's grace and mercy are evident in our life. Yes, there are times when he softens the blow, but there are many more times that he allows it to play out in our own lives because it is a result of our own free will that he's created us with, that we've made choices and we live with the results of them. Other suffering can come as a result of others' choices. I want you to think about this. I, uh, I spoke to someone recently about a choice that someone else has made on their behalf. And it has completely hurt their family. It has made such a mark. It is something that is being grieved and it's not yet repaired and not yet fixed. It's something that I didn't choose. Somebody chose and it affects me and I suffer as a result. So we can sometimes suffer from the wrong choices of other human beings. Think about Joseph in the Bible. Sure, he was cocky and he probably should have shut his mouth and not shared some of his dreams with his brothers, but he suffered much because his brothers made the choice to sell him into slavery. He didn't do anything to truly deserve that, but he endured much. It was the choice of them that caused him the pain that he had to endure. And it didn't stop there. Somehow, and maybe this message is just for me, but somehow when Sunday school happened as a kid and as a teenager and even Bible school classes and even my own reading of God's word and my own studying for preparation in messages, somehow I always find myself at the good part and I've forgotten all the bad. Joseph endured years, years of hurt and harm and suffering. But your attitude, your attitude makes all the difference. Your perspective and how you see it makes all the difference. So others' choices sometimes bring suffering to us. Another, which is uncomfortable and something that 
we don't like to talk about, but it's clearly in God's word. Suffering can come because God is allowing us to be tested. You say, God, oh, I don't need any more tests. Thank you very much. That's, that's kind of our attitude. But really, truly, look at Job. I think we need to understand that God is sovereign. And sometimes he allows us to endure testing in order to solidify our faith in him. God himself spoke and gave permission to the enemy to do anything he wanted to to Job except kill him. And the enemy surely did. Took away his family, his possessions. His wife told him, just get it over with. Be done already. His friends were really no help at all most of the time. Job was in a bad situation and you say, what did he do to deserve? Well, I'm so glad he's in the Bible and I'm so glad I've learned from that lesson. But God, please don't ever let me be Job. But if he exists, others exist. Do you understand where I'm headed with that? So God allows suffering sometimes in our life to test us. In our suffering, will we turn to him? Will we acknowledge him? Will we draw closer to him? My wife and I together as a married couple have had several tests in our lives. We cannot determine the origin of them. We searched our hearts. We don't believe it was disobedience that brought the suffering. We don't believe that it's our own choices that far outweighed others' choices. We really live in a mystery in two or three major moments in our life of testing. But I stand on the other side of those tests saying, my faith in God deepened. Yes, it was a struggle. Yes, it was hard. Yes, there are still moments where it's tense. But I believe with all of my heart that God is the one that brought me through it. And he's the one with me even today. So that gives me hope for the next suffering that I have to endure. Whether that's by my own stupidity, somebody else's choices, or even if God is allowing me to be tested. The Bible says that God disciplines his children. And sometimes... There's testing involved in that. The last one is this. Suffering can come, can happen simply for God to receive glory. For God's glory. This is a a question that plagued the disciples. During Jesus' time on earth, they were walking and he was ministering and he'd be preaching and then multiplying bread and fish and then getting on a boat and then walking on water. And Jesus' life was just this constant adventure. But at some point, he encounters in John chapter 9, a man who's been born blind from birth, could not see. And the disciples said, okay, Jesus... We know you're going to heal him. This is pastor's paraphrase. We know you're about to heal this guy, but we really want to know why is he blind? His mama, she was a bad girl, wasn't she? She did a lot of bad stuff. Is that why? Can you just see Peter and, and all the other disciples saying something similar? That's exactly the question that came. Who sinned? Was it her dad? Was it her mom? Was it him? How, how is this possible? And Jesus says something astonishing that really wrecks our theology. 
John chapter 9 verse 3, Jesus answered and said, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the work of God might be displayed in him. So sometimes suffering can happen simply because God's picked you to be the one to use for his glory. And let's not forget this. Every moment of suffering that I've endured in my personal life, like individually, and then in my marriage and ministry with my wife, every single one of those things can be used for God's glory because then later in my life, I'm able to share with people who are going through similar moments. So it is not wasted. Your suffering does not have to be wasted It can be wasted if you just sit through it and endure it with grit teeth and don't learn anything from it and don't give God glory and pity party and do all of those things. It will be wasted and God's so good he might repeat it in your life. Everybody say, oh me, oh me. So remember this, suffering is painful but only temporary. And it can be purposeful. What you endure, what you chances are might even be going through right now is painful. I understand that. But there can be purpose in the midst of that. The worship team is going to come and I want to close by reading two or three verses and ask you two questions. In James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 it says this. James, I just love how he says this. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you have trials of various kinds. Say what? Count it all joy when I'm suffering. Verse 3 says this, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let that steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If I read this correctly, I understand that the person who hasn't suffered at all is not perfect. They are incomplete and they lack a lot of things. We talk about that in different ways in the human experience when we say, well, you know, it's the school of hard knocks. Or, oh, well, you'll learn when you grow up, you're going to endure it and you'll realize and you'll understand. It's the stuff that we go through with God's help that makes us who we are today and makes us available to help those who are going through something similar. Those setbacks can truly turn into amazing purposes in the hands of Almighty God when we allow them to. And then look at what verse 12 says. It says, blessed is the person who remains steadfast under trial. For when they've stood the test, they will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So those who love him endure suffering. We don't always know why. We don't always know when it's going to end. But we do know this that God is good through all of it. So the two questions I want to ask you today, and I invite you to stand if you're here with us. I want you to consider this message during this last song while we worship the Lord.
But I want you to respond to this message by saying a simple prayer and just having a moment with the Lord. Maybe you're like me and there's probably 15 other facets of this message I could have expounded on, but maybe you've been holding it against God because you had to suffer. Maybe you have unforgiveness in your heart still for the person who caused you that pain. You can get rid of that today and be free of that burden. The first question is, how am I responding to my suffering? How am I responding to it? Am I responding to it with the character of Christ, with an open heart and an open mind saying, God, help me walk through this. I trust you. Or am I just staying aggravated and upset and frustrated and stressed out? Your response to your struggle or to your suffering is important. And the second question is, what am I learning from it? These are the two questions we should ask as we go through things in this life and we suffer. My prayer is that each one who calls themselves a believer that's part of Celebrate Church would fall into the category that the apostles did. That when suffering comes as a result of our faith, we would be counted worthy to suffer for the name that is above every name. For the name of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Close your eyes and bow your heads with me. Maybe you're suffering through something today. Maybe it's with your family or your finance, your health. I want to ask you to trust God with it and to unburden your heart today, even in this simple moment. Just a prayer that's honest from your heart that says, Lord, I'm so done with all of the stuff I've held against that person. Lord, help me to walk in freedom and forgiveness. Lord, teach me in the midst of the suffering that I'm going through right now. Lord, help me to have the right attitude. Whatever it is, I encourage you to respond today. And let him have full control.